Hello, creative people, and welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend this hour with us. A little background, I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. So I created this space to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies, and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. One, how do you define creativity? Two, how do you incorporate it into your life? And three, why do you think that it's important? And then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. I am so grateful to have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, Reiki masters, mediums, doctor, lawyer, real estate agents, entrepreneurs as young as 13, and so many more. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as their soul's essence, courage, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be. And I truly believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Phoebe Leona. Her mission in life is to offer people deeper experiences of themselves so that they have a greater sense of purpose and belonging in the world. She has done this in many creative ways as an international best-selling award-winning author, TEDx speaker, dancing while doing it, telling you everybody, and hold on. Sorry, I'm going to start from the beginning because the bio got covered up. So once this goes away, okay, I'm going to start from the beginning again. So Phoebe Leona's mission in life is to offer people deeper experiences of themselves so that they have a greater sense of purpose and belonging in the world. She has done this in many creative ways as an international best-selling award-winning author, TEDx speaker, contemporary dancer, yoga teacher, parentheses 500-E-R-Y-T, curious to find out what that is, entrepreneur and embodiment guide leader. Phoebe, welcome to the space. Oh my goodness, thank you. Can you hear me? I can, loud and Okay. Okay, good. I tried to get the timing perfect, but I guess I, I came in a little too soon. <laughs> You're good. That's the beauty of editing. All of that can awesome. be fixed so easily. <laughs> so I want to thank those that are here with us live. Thank you so much for being here. Think of this as Clubhouse meets Facebook Live. So as we are speaking, please feel free to put in the chat box any questions or comments so you can be part of the conversation. So, Phoebe, this is going to be such a rich conversation. I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. <laughs> I know, right? The whole unfolding yeah. of it all. So before we dive in and really get to know you more, yeah. would you, could you share with us some kind of a fun fact or something, I don't know, interesting in your journey before we dive in even more? Oh, a fun fact. A fun fact about me is I am, you know, my company is called Nomad and it's true. I'm very nomadic. I tend to move around a lot. Um, currently I'm in West Virginia right now and I dance between here and New York pretty often because 
I have a community on both sides. My family's in West Virginia and my community, my friends are up in New York. So that's a little fun fact that's, uh, that's in my present experience now because I've been moving around a lot the past couple of days. <laughs> mm. So I love that. And thank you for sharing that. So you, when you say moving around a lot, it's still between New York and West Virginia? Yes. Yeah. I'm non-committal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's amazing because you can. Yes. <laughs> so there we go. Well, what's the weather like where you are right now? It's it's actually quite beautiful out. It's probably similar to where you are. You're in Philadelphia or just outside, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have a, a similar weather in both places. Um, it's beautiful. It's just windy and, and still a bit chilly. Exactly. March coming in like a lion. It is. It is. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's just dive right in and let's get into this. So uh, awesome. Phoebe, how do you define creativity? Uh, I was sitting with this question because I knew it was going to come. <laughs> you know, I think it's creativity is not what you do, but how you do it, how you show up in your life. And, you know, I do have the fortune to call myself an artist being a dancer. Um, my family, my grandfather was an artist. He was a musician. Uh, but I also had a lot of people in my life who they didn't take that career path of being some sort of artist, but they were very creative beings. You know, my mom, my mom, just the way that she lived her life, um, being, you know, just very artistic and creative with cooking, um, how she just navigated, navigated choices in her life, I felt were rather creative. They were sort of outside of the box thinking. Um, and she, but she also did, you know, she was also artistic in that she had embroidery. She did a lot of embroidery and and doodling. I still see some doodles around. And so that's what got instilled in me at a very young age was, you know, we don't have to take it this, we, a lot of us think of it as I'm a creative person. I take this sort of trajectory of a profession that's a creative profession, but it's really just how you show up in everything you do. Even if you do take more of the traditional route of, you know, the nine to five job, it's how you how you show up at it. How do you think outside of the box? Um, that makes you that creative being. I mean, we're all creative beings. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's the thing that I think we we get lopped into a category of as we're a child. Like, oh, you're artistic, you're creative. Okay, you take this route, and if not, then you know you're more um, logistical. You take this route, and you you know do all of the things and take the check the things off the list and. And we forget that part of ourselves um, if you take that path more, quote unquote, like the traditional path. And so I'm, I really love inviting people back into that childlike nature. And remember, again, it's how you show up in the world. It's how you think. It's how you move. It's because it's, it's in our, it's just innate. It's in our DNA. Mm -hmm. We're here to create. Well, again, thank you for validating everything that we're doing here. Um, yes. <laughs> for a change of the choir. <laughs> no, no, but I say that because yes, like that's why that's why I love these conversations. And yeah. it's the repetition of people hearing this in different ways mm -hmm. from different people with different experiences. So 
Yes. And you saying creativity is not what you do. It's how you do it. Mm -hmm. And tapping into, it's so true that we, uh, as adults and I being one of them also got lost along the way. Like, uh, there, there was very, it's got lost of, okay, well, these are the things that are done and this is how you do it. And it's the whole, you know, you hear right brain, left brain thinking, feminine, masculine, all these kind of different ways that you want to talk about it. But yeah, in kind of basically the summary of it all is many adults get lost because we get stuck in this thinking of, well, that's not a, a, an adult thing to do. That's very mm-hmm. child, childish and mm-hmm that that kind of fall down that rabbit hole which makes you really feel like crap um mm-hmm. uh, because life's too short for any of that so but as we really dive into it more i just kind of wanted to ask did your you having this wonderful opportunity to be surrounded by this within your family do people realize and recognize this within themselves um this creative aspect or was it just something that people did you know, I think that it, it was just it was just a, something that we did. I was really fortunate, um, especially my maternal side. Um, again, my grandmother, she didn't really take the professional route. She was actually a science teacher, um, but she's still to this day at 90. She's, you know, taking watercoloring classes and she was taking cello up until a few years ago. And so it was really just instilled in us. And I think that those older generations, it was really taught more in a well-rounded way mm-hmm. um, to to infuse creativity in all aspects of our lives. It's not just this you know class that you take and it's compartmentalized. Yeah. And it really came through the other generations, my mom's generation, my generation. And it was just um, I mean, it was definitely talked about because I was a dancer and it was very obvious that I was going to take that route. And I always, you know, got everybody to get into, you know, either dancing with me or watching me dance and perform. So mm-hmm. there was no question about that. And we did talk about that. But I think that everybody else having their deep connection to their creative side, it, I think it was just somewhat assumed, you know because it was just part of the upbringing if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah it t- totally makes sense yeah okay i want i, I want to learn more about you phoebe and i want everybody else to learn more so and what i call this uh teaching future leaders how to lead with empathy mm-hmm. eventually you know we're gonna i'm sure we're gonna touch on that throughout but i just mm-hmm. kind of wanted to highlight that but um wherever you want to start in your journey from yeah. childhood, teenage, whatever, wherever you want to start, if you could just kind of guide us through uh, who you are and how you've gotten to where you are, that'd be great. Okay, yeah, and I'll I'll tie it back into our original question too, and and bring it to where you just start, where you just invite us into in terms of the empathy. Um, so just to give you a little bit of background on me, I as I already shared, I was a dancer from the get go. My mom always jokes that I was bouncing around in my jolly jumper before I even walked. So I I danced before I walked. Um, And my childhood was, there was so much love, especially on my maternal side. Uh, My father was actually my primary caregiver from eight to about 15 because my parents separated and we chose to have me stay in the same school in the same house with my father. And he was truly loving. He was also very creative, too, in the way that he showed up in the world. 
Um, you definitely could not put that man in a box. <laughs> mm -hmm. He was very wild. Um, he was a hippie. He had done two tours of Vietnam. And I share this because that mm -hmm. really drew the picture of my childhood. It really influenced the, the my childhood because he had what we didn't have language for was severe PTSD from his two tours of Vietnam. Um, he was also diagnosed as bipolar much later in his life. And I don't know which the chicken or the egg, which came first, but so mm -hmm. he was very also unstable, right? There were flashbacks. Again, we didn't have language around that, but he would take me down these rabbit holes of going back into an experience that he had in, in Vietnam. When I was a child, he almost, um, he almost killed my mom because he was in a flashback and he was taking me to safety to protect me. Um, there was rage, there was violence, there was depression, there was um, just very chaotic. It was a very chaotic home life. But there was also this mm -hmm. very, very deep love. And there was this loyalty that we both had for each other. Um, you know, I stayed in because I wanted the stability, <laughs> which is quite funny. I wanted the stability of my home and going to school, but he was rather unstable. Um, mm. My mom moved closer into DC, so that was like would have uprooted me in a lot of ways. So we decided that that was, you know, I was eight, so I did take a, I did, I say we decided, and I, I do feel like I, I actually had a, a say in the matter. Um, so that really formed the way that I saw my life was I really seeked out chaos in lots of different ways, and I kind of write about this in my book, Dear Radiant One, about how chaos was a dear friend of mine because there were so many times with my father that it was fun and exciting and we would go on adventures when he was in those sort of higher states of being but then it was also quite scary because it would also take us down these rabbit holes of um just a lot of uncertainty a lot of um feeling unsafe a lot of fear a lot of anxiety uh, but it was still just part of my coding. So when I chose to become a dancer, I had the skill, I had the talent, and I also had this lifestyle that really prepared me for becoming a dancer. Because a lot of times people say, you know, if you're taking a route like that, you know, you're going to have, you know, you won't know what your next job will be. You don't know what, how you're going to pay your rent. Like, and that never ever was on my radar. That never bothered me because I was just so used to uncertainty. Mm. So in a lot of ways, my upbringing prepared me and made me strong and resilient for the life of a dancer. Cause I can I actually went to Philadelphia for college. I don't know if I told you that. Oh yeah, we did. We talked about that. Yeah. 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 Conversation. Yeah. And then I moved on to New York City and I, you know, I, I did the thing. I pounded the pavement. I was auditioning. I was waiting tables. I was teaching Pilates and yoga. And it, I never really gave it a second thought, you know, because I just, I was used to that, that rhythm and mm -hmm. that energy. Um, but it also sort of the flip side of it, the shadow side of that was I also attracted a lot of that sort of negative side of chaos in terms of the relationships that um, specifically with men that I attracted um, the unstable, you know, mental well-being and the, the drug use and the alcohol use. So 
that I had, I continued that connection with chaos on both sides, the lighter side and the, the shadowy side of that. Um, and it wasn't until my father actually, I won't go into all of the details, but I, I moved out of the, my home at 15 because it just was too chaotic. He wasn't in my life for almost 18 years. And then he came back into my life in 2009 and he was rehabilitated. He had been actually um, arrested for drug um, paraphernalia and intent to sell. Mm -hmm. um, he was picked up then by the VA and they threw him into recovery. So he went through recovery for about 10 years prior to reaching out to me. Um, and then we had this beautiful healing together for about four years. And he then died in his sleep in 2013. And I was, of course, really sad because it was the second time I was losing my father. But I was also at peace because he finally did get to die in peace. You know, he was living through hell for so many years dealing with his PTSD that he had to kind of go through all of that, come to this full circle space of peace in order for him, because he had multiple suicide attempts. Um, and I, it was like the universe was just like, nah, -uh. <laughs> mm -hmm. nope, it's not your time yet. And I think I really, truly believe that part of that was that we, him and I had to really heal together for as, as much as was possible for him in this body of his yeah. that he was in. Um, so when he passed away in 2013, he did die in his sleep. And that really began a deeper layer of my own healing journey. The person I was married to two months after my father died said he wanted a divorce. We had been together for 15 years. Um, and I think really, if, again, I was devastated. I was mourning. I was, you know, at a loss of it. But now, and he even said this to me, he was like, I'm letting you be free. Because he knew that I couldn't be a part of that cycle anymore. And the death of my father was that release of the cycle. And then the, my marriage ending was a further shedding of that cycle. Oh, my and gosh. So the, so the last 10 years has been this very, very deep healing journey for me. Um, so that's a little bit of my background. And then to kind of bring it to where we were talking at the beginning of creativity, I'm so fortunate that I had this thread of, of creativity, of dance. Dance really was my healing through that entire time. So when I was a child, when my father would have these unpredictable behaviors and I could feel it, I was super intuitive. I could feel the energy change and something said to me, go into your room, close the door, turn on the music and dance. And I did. And I just, at that time, I just thought, oh, I'm just doing something that I really love. And I was bringing myself to that place of joy again, moving from whatever it was, fear, anxiety, my own anger. I shifted it back to joy. But really now that I've done all of the work that I've done, my own healing, my own teaching of the somatic practices and yoga, I've realized I was healing myself then. I wasn't taking that trauma with me to the extent that I could have if I didn't move my body. Mm -hmm. And that's 
really what my mission is now to kind of bring it back to the question about the empathy and the leadership is that I've seen these paths that we take, right? You take either that creative path, more that feminine nature, as you said, or that masculine path of the more what we call the traditional path of, you know, checking all the things off the list, getting the job, getting the letters behind your name, right? And you sort of, there's a disembodiment in that path. If it's, if you're not fully integrated in either of them, I should say, I shouldn't say one is better than the other, but if there isn't an embodiment on either side of those, because the creative side could go completely the other direction of like too much in the ether energy, right? But if we're not yeah. in our body and connected, there can be this disembodiment and that's where we feel lost and confused and we're in survival mode and we're no longer in a space that we feel safe to create, right? When we're just functioning in survival, we really don't have the energy to create. We're just creating in order to survive, mm -hmm. not creating for the sake of creating and, and of pleasure and joy. So that's really what has become my mission the last handful of years after I've gone through this whole healing and helping other people is like to tap them back into their own emotional landscape, their own connection to their body, because their body are, are basically our messages are constantly giving us messages in terms of sensations, in terms of emotions. And so when we realize we can, it's safe to come back to the body and read what the body has to share with us, we can start to create more of the life that we want. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. I know. That was <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. Um, okay, so where does one start with this? So uh, when you were just really pointing out about this integration and that full embodiment, like everybody do you hear that like it's so powerful to understand because our body is talking to us all of the time we are communicating like whether we listen or not is a whole different story um it's like oh okay well that's just a little twinge no big deal that's just not a big deal and then you like overdo something and you're like oh my god why did i pull a muscle um or I don't know, something in my stomach just feels weird. There's this weird feeling. Um, oh, but I'll just ignore it and I'll just keep going. And then it's, so it is, it's communicating all the time. Um, could you please tell people about somatic movement? I've had the, I've been so grateful to have had this experience of it and really, yeah. uh, really tap into it, but I wasn't aware of it just even a few months ago. Mm. Oh, I want to hear a little bit about that journey for you. Um, so the word somatic, it's really just being in the body and it's very much, I love this. I love that you asked this question around creativity. It's again, the same answer that I said about creativity. It's not what you do. It's how you do it. Yeah. So yoga is, can be a somatic practice, right? Anything really that's moving your body can be a somatic practice. It's how you are tapping into it. Are you aware? of when you're on, we'll just use the example of yoga, when you're on your yoga mat and you're doing your sun salutations, are you tapping into 
the physical sensations that you're feeling, the emotions that are coming up, because as you're building heat, you might be tapping into some anger that has been kind of jammed in there for a little Mm -hmm. while. And it's like, oh, okay, that's coming to the surface. Or maybe it's grief, right? So there might be some emotions that are coming up and and transpiring in, in the body in a way. And you're paying attention to that. You're, again, you're asking, how is this? How am I moving through space? How am I in relationship to the movement and the body? Um, is really is really just shifting the lens of just not I'm sitting on the mat, I'm moving my body, um, I dialed it in and okay, you know, I did my thing, check it off the list and go on with my day. Um, and again, this could, I use yoga as the example because I taught yoga for so many years through this lens, but I also see it taught more as like an instructing way of like, here, put your arm in this shape and put the leg in this shape. And there's really not that connection um, to the how. Yes. It's more of the what. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So as I experienced uh, somatic movement, um, okay. I, I, I had a TV show and in the TV show, I would have my guests as a 30 minute show first 15 minutes, how do you define creativity, having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And then the second half, they taught me something uh, within to shine light on what they do. And two of the people actually that I spoke to, two different people at different times uh, did something within the realm of somatic movement. And one of them was in person and the other was, uh, so she took me through dance and movement and the mm-hmm. other person was via Zoom. So mm-hmm. I was on camera by myself. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I was so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And what it brought up, what you're talking about in, and I really just love that you pointed out, it's not just checking off, okay, yoga done, this done, that done. What I realized was I was perseverating. I was fixating on this, of needing to do this on camera. And mm-hmm. one, I was fixating on, uh, it wasn't just me being seen from the waist up on the show. Now it was my whole body being seen. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so there was a, a vulnerability and a consciousness of that. Then there was, okay, now I'm going to have to, I'm not a dancer. Like I was falling into that. Like, well, I'm not a, with the label and that it's me having the conversation with myself, sometimes out loud and sometimes in my head, like Hollis, what the hell you signed up for this? Like, shut up. <laughs> you <laughs> Like you talk about this. This is what you do. You open right. yourself up, you explore, you give yourself permission, all of this stuff. So there was a lot of discomfort. I'm leading up to the point. And once I was actually engaged and moving and doing, I forgot. And I did fall into it and became conscious of the, there was still tapping in. It was like, for me, it was more the building up too with all of the emotions Mm -hmm. coming to the surface. But then while in the actual action, there was a lot of my, my brain quieted. Mm-hmm. And it felt good to move. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thank you for sharing that. I think that it's definitely a conversation that most people have, right? Because the, the somatic practice that I I have developed too involves there's a there's a whole section of dance as well. Um, and P, and we actually I did the training today and we were talking about this, so inviting people into 
these spaces of being vulnerable and even just the word dance for some people, like for me, obviously I'm like, yes, okay, cool. But for a lot of people, it's what you've experienced. It's like, oh my gosh, with a camera or not a camera, right? Oh my gosh, I'm going to be vulnerable. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be in my body. Oh, somebody might see me. Yes. And it's these conversations that we have that when we actually drop down and give ourselves to permission to be in the body, the body just is like giving you a big hug and saying, yes, welcome. Thank you for coming. I've been waiting for you this whole time. Right. <laughs> I do. I do a talk about how your body is your life partner. Mm-hmm. And there's so many of us who treat it like that old married couple at the restaurant who don't that doesn't make eye contact like it's been together for so long and it's just like (laughs) it's like we get to live our our soul chose this body for a reason Mm. there might be some hard lessons that we had to learn right maybe we don't we have like a you know body image we're not we don't like the shape it's in or it's created some illness for ourselves but there was there was a reason our soul chose this body that's my belief at least And so if we start to look at it through that lens and really see that this body is our life partner, we chose it. And the body chose us as as well, right? And they're dancing together, they're moving together, they're communicating, whether your mind is conscious of it or not, your soul. Really, I think of the body as your subconscious, your soul. And when you tap into it, it's it's like the greatest love story. You could have. It's a choice that you make, right? Are you going to go into that sort of loveless marriage? Or do you want to wake up every day and say, hey, body, thank you for allowing me to breathe and having my heart beat while I was sleeping and going on to other realms? You know, what what else do we have today to do today together? Like, what do we get to do today? Uh, yes. What do we get to do today? Yeah. And just shift a perspective. I think changes it for people and gives you that permission to be vulnerable, like you like you felt on the camera, um, to dance and to be free in it. And it's like it just it just wants to be seen and heard and felt. And that's really what the sensations are saying. They're like little. They're I think of the sensations as like the little kids, mm-hmm. right? That like want attention and they're just first like tugging at mom. And they're yeah. like, hey, I want some attention. And if you don't, then it starts to like hug and get a little bit louder and then it's like a temper tantrum right and it turns into what we know as disease or an acute injury um so when we lean in and we just have a conversation and say hey body like all right i feel you i see that i feel that twinge in my shoulder um what's that about you know and lean in and listen and and invite in some movement or breath and i see things shift pretty quickly for myself and for the people I work with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so much to be said. And again, I want to welcome those here with us live. Thank you so much for being here. Any questions or comments, please feel free to put them in this space below and you can be part of the conversation. Yes. So my second question, mm-hmm. um, which is a deeper dive, but I, this word, before before we go into, which we can lead into, is how you incorporate more creativity into your own life. Mm-hmm. Before we do that, and maybe we'll just lead right into it, um, okay. how, do you, how do you define the word empathy? Well, first of all, I love deep dive questions, so thank you. Mm-hmm. How do I define empathy? 
this is an interesting word because I think it's getting it's very it's very much a buzzword right now. Yeah. Um, especially in sort of the business world that's waking up um, to oh wow there are people here. <laughs> we need to connect with them. I I really feel for me empathy is first of all understanding what is yours in terms of your emotional landscape. And then being able to tap into other people's emotional landscapes and feeling it as if it were theirs, but also being able to discern. And that, that for me took a really long time mm -hmm. to, do, to understand mm -hmm. because it got all mixed up. Like it, it was just all swirling around. Like I'll use the example, um, when I was married and I was living in New York City, I would have these really beautiful experiences, I, whether I was teaching or I was in a dance class. And I remember there were multiple times because I lived along Central Park, I would walk home through Central Park and just it felt like everything was aligned and the, the birds were like by my ears, like singing right into my ears. And <laughs> like everything just felt like I was floating. And I would walk into the door and my, my husband at the time worked at ho from home. So he, our home was his office. And all of a sudden he would just like come and he would bombard me with all of the stress that he was dealing with. And all of a sudden I would find myself on the couch kind of shrinking in and not even putting it together that I was picking up his energy. I was just like, why am I so tired all of a sudden? Like, I really didn't know. And so what I was being in that moment was I was being empathetic. I was absorbing his energy, but I wasn't identifying it as, as separate. Like I didn't give myself my own agency to make a choice in the matter. Yeah. And so that's really what I feel need is a conversation, a bigger conversation that needs to be heard and felt um, and talked about because we are talking about empathy of receiving the energy of other you know, anybody outside of yourself and connecting more deeply, but also to know that you don't have to take it on mm -hmm. and we shouldn't take it on because that's not going to do anything for anybody else. Yeah. Um, if we go down that rabbit hole with them, it's to really hold a safe container for yourself and for this person to bring whatever energy they need um, in that space to release or to experience and express and to say, I see you, I do feel you. And now let's let's take it to the next level, right? You hold that higher frequency, if you will, um, that higher vibration that you wanna bring both of you to. And so you don't morph into it and kind of get spiraled into what I'll call more of the shadowy or negative yeah. emotions. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And it's, it, I mean, this is a, like a whole three hour conversation in itself, yeah. um, which is Kai, I just wanted to touch on it because it's, you know, if people have heard of, and I'm sure you have, it's like being an empath and mm -hmm. it's exactly what you're talking about. You're having empathy and you're, you're being an empath and taking it on and feeling it in your own body, like yeah. you explained. Um, but then it's that idea of being a leader, being one that can, uh, be an example and show to where you can create and correct me if you know in whatever way but to create a boundary where um you can cut yourself off from saying okay i hear you i see you i am acknowledging you mm 
uh, but I'm not going there. So um, it's holding a higher vibration and space to be able to uh, to then move forward and not be stuck in that uh, that ick. Exactly. Yeah. Very technical term. Yeah, the ick. <laughs> Don't get stuck in the ick. You know, I I just had this conversation in my training today about, you know, because you touched on masculine and feminine. It is when you are, we'll use the word leader right now, or a facilitator or anybody holding space for somebody. Um, I think of leader as a much bigger, broad stroke rather than just like a leader of a business or a movement, but really just the leader of your own life. Um, when you are in that space of, of holding someone and guiding them to the next frontier of whatever it is in their life, you do have to have this really strong balance of the masculine and the feminine. Mm -hmm. And the masculine being what you just said, that container, right? Like knowing, okay, this is for you to empty out whatever you need to empty out. I'm here for you. I've hold, I'm holding that space for you. But then that, that feminine energy, and this is sort of the question that you were asking me about the creativity is, is inviting them also into the mystery hmm. of it and, and seeing a creative perspective. Like, because a lot of times we're in those, those places of survival mode, we only see one way. Yeah. We only see the way that we've been doing it. Or there might be another way, but it's impossible, right? It's like, it's black or white, right? Yeah. It's this way or that way. And so when we're in the space of the leader and we're holding that more masculine container, we're also saying, well, there's also an and, right? Let's look at the, the other possibilities. Let's look into the mystery of there might be something else here that we haven't felt yet, that we haven't thought about yet, that we haven't really explored. And maybe we don't come to a conclusion today but maybe we just start to plant the seed for another possibility to unfold of how you wake up and you feel your the way that you look at your life every day or the way that you move through your life every day, the choices that you're making. Maybe there's some other choices. And that's really the feminine energy of inviting them into that mystery of possibility and creativity. Mm. I love that combination of words, inviting into mystery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautifully said. Thank you. So, okay. Mm -hmm. So, Miss Phoebe, tell us, we know that you dance. We know mm -hmm. that there's yoga. We know that there's speaking. <laughs> how, how, how can you, however you want to take it, um, how you incorporate creativity into your world on more of a regular basis? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll talk about my, my morning practice. Yes, because please. that's really the that's really the seed that starts everything for me. Um, because I used to be very because because what I share, shared with you in my my personal journey, mm -hmm. I was very much all over the place and just like in the divine flow and every you know letting everything just happen through me. But then there was no structure and form. So then I went the other way when I found yoga, and it was getting on my mat doing a certain, you know, sequence of events, going to my yoga classes, you know, making sure I was studying with my teacher. So there was a lot of structure and form. And then I would teach it. And there was a lot of structure and form in there because I had to hold the container for so many people. Um, so 
during actually, it wasn't really until COVID where I found this integration of the two mm-hmm. and embraced the two. And it was basically giving myself permission to have my morning practice because I knew I needed that, but to have myself give myself permission to do whatever I wanted. So some days I would lay out the yoga mat. Some days I would pull oracle cards. Some days I would write in my journal. Some days I would just put the music on and sing and dance. Um, so really my morning practice right now is I show up and just see what unfolds. <laughs> I give myself an hour, two hours, if I have that luxury, if I don't have sessions planned. And I really just allow myself to be in creative in any way that feels good for me. Mm-hmm. And that usually is the breadcrumb for the rest of the day. So sometimes that might be like, oh, I got this beautiful idea for a social media post, <laughs> right? So I journal, you know, from my journaling or whatever I was doing on the floor in my movement practice. So I'll use those little things that happened in my practice and let them filter into the the things that I have to check off the list, right? As I'm moving, I might get a download. Oh, I need to check in with this person and, you know, network with them and see how they're doing. Um, See if we want to do a co-creative experience together. So that really just ends up being the breadcrumbs or the threads that that weave the rest of my day. Um, And I do have structure and form. I have my appointments and everything like that, but, and I have the things I need to check off the list, but I allow whatever happened in those hour, two hours to kind of guide me through it in a more creative way. It's those intuitive nudges, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where, and like, like you said, the breadcrumbs and the and the weaving in um, and just allowing that to happen. So how would you, how would you in your words respond to a person who was like, well, Phoebe, I don't have an hour. I have, <laughs> I have five, 10 minutes. I have three yeah. kids all under the age of five, or I have to be at work at 6am or blah, blah, blah. What is your uh, general response to that person who is like, who says all that? I know. I'm so glad you asked that because I do sound like I have, I mean, I, I live alone. I don't have kids. I do have the luxury of it. I have my own business, so I get to make my own hours. And so I just want to acknowledge that I'm so grateful that I have that freedom of time and space to a certain mm-hmm. extent. And I know other people don't. And so what I always say to people is you have five minutes, give yourself five minutes and put it on the calendar. One of my clients said this to me. I love when my clients teach me. (laughs) Years and years ago, when I was like burnt out, I was running all around New York City teaching yoga and Pilates and and also rehearsing and, you know, five different shows. My client looked at me and she was like, Phoebe, do you have yourself on the calendar? Because no one else is putting you on the calendar except you. And I was like, oof, oh, yeah, that's true. And I, I've always tried to do that for myself. Now, you know, um, if it's only five minutes, put yourself on the calendar for five minutes. And it could just be five minutes before you go into the grocery store, sit in your car, take a few breaths. Maybe you have like a little journal you keep in the car and you just journal. Maybe you put on a song, maybe you scream. Oh my gosh, my car is my favorite place to scream. And I'm feeling angry. Right? Oh my God. I'll just go in yes. and explain. I'll put music on. <laughs> yes. I totally relate to that. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. So like giving yourself yeah. whatever needs to happen in those five minutes, make sure you're in a safe space to do whatever you feel good in. And so you're not putting yourself at risk or anybody else, right? Like if you're screaming, you don't want people to call 911. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I say that it was like, okay, you know, set, set up some parameters for yourself so that you can give yourself full permission. I call this, this whole little sequence of events play. So you're just pausing. It's an acronym. So you're pausing whatever the other story is. You're listening to what your body wants to do. You're activating how you want to feel. And then you're saying a full body. Yes. So you're giving yourself that permission to scream, to write, to meditate, to breathe, whatever it is in those five minutes. Yes. And I just want to acknowledge what you said about, you know, that you have the privilege of this time. It's, you know what, we all have our, we all have our circumstances, but even when someone has the time, we make up excuses. Yes. So that's really what it is. Even when we do have three kids, when we have one kid, when we have no mm -hmm. kids, excuses are being made because of mm -hmm. whatever the perceptions of things are. So something that you just said, like with in the car with um, screaming and um, my, <laughs> my daughter and I, and I've told this story many times in other podcasts, but my daughter and I um, scream sing. So oh. it, if you're like, well, Hollis, I don't have the time. Well, if you're in the car driving from place to place, put on the radio, turn it up or whatever, and sing and dance while you're driving. Like you're not, you're not swerving all around the road, but you're singing and dancing and it's fun and it's the movement and it's the release and it's incorporating it in these ways. Um, when we do that, it's like, really, my daughter and I are the only ones that do it when I've tried it with, and they might be listening upstairs. I'm not sure if they are, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, my husband and son won't do it. <laughs> so, um, it's, we just, we don't care. It's like singing with abandon. We suck. Um, but that's not, it's not the point of being good at it. It's the point of having fun with it and playing and getting it out of your body. Yes. And, you know, it goes back to what you said earlier of like giving yourself that permission when you were on the TV show and learning. It's like as soon as you actually give yourself that permission for those five minutes to do whatever you want, you actually are like, oh, that felt good. And then you're going to find you somehow managed to find 10 minutes a day. And then you're like, oh, no, actually, let me see if I can stretch it for 30 minutes a day. And so I, I completely feel in alignment with what you're saying of like, it usually is some sort of distraction of feeling like you have to do all these other things, but truly you can find time for yourself. But just starting with those little times and spaces and then, you know, meet yourself where you're at now and then you'll, you'll very soon feel that you want more of it. Exactly. You, if you're doing it the right way, everybody, then yeah. you will have time yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we're not, if we're constantly busy going, 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 then that's not serving. Um, yeah. And kind of going back to the title here and that word empathy, leading with empathy, mm -hmm. I'm kind of looking at it as leading with empathy for self, mm -hmm. like be mm -hmm. empathic, empathize with self and be like, if I'm talking to myself and being like Hollis, you really need a break. Like you need to chill. You've just been, you know, in your head too much or moving too much or just thinking and going, 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 and you really need to chill. Um, so I recognize that you're there and go for a walk in nature. 
Yeah. Or I got chills when that, you said that. Have that chai tea. Have that uh, conversation. Um, go in the car and scream. Hit the bell. Whatever. Go pet the cats. Go hang out with family. Whatever it is. It's we need to be empathetic to ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. Because, yeah. yeah, it's that whole, when, when you say this whole dance, this whole movement, it's life is a dance, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it it's really, it's the rhythm. It's being in the rhythm of life. Like we could be completely out of sync and unaware on just doing, or we could kind of be dancing with and see it as a partner. Absolutely. Yes. I got chills when you were saying empathize with yourself. I just mm. kept getting chills on my body whenever mm. you said that. Because I, I think that we are the hardest on ourselves. I mean, you might see yourself being hard on other people and judging other people, but it's really, if you're that person that tends to point the finger, it's usually because you're pointing the finger at yourself as well. And yeah. you, whether you're conscious of it or not, or maybe you are the person who's just constantly putting the finger on yourself. Yeah. But it's like, wow, you know, give yourself that permission. Be gentle with yourself. You know, why are you so much nicer to your best friend or your daughter? Like treat yourself like that. You know, talk to yourself like you would talk to your, your baby. Um, yeah. Love ourselves unconditionally again. Right. Or, <laughs> Start just, to if they never have. Just made me laugh. Like I just had this vision of like talking to a baby and being like, "Oh, why are you being such a little asshole?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> like it's it doesn't feel good, everybody, and we know this, and you know this. It's just a matter of you know the switch. So yeah. Oh, it's crazy. We're getting to the top of the hour, but I mm -hmm. I really want you to be able before we get to the third question. I really yeah. two things. I want to hear from yoga what 500-ERYT is. And <laughs> I want you to touch on your TED Talk too, because everybody, she danced through it. And um, mm. yeah, it's just really powerful. So yeah, if you could touch on those things and then we'll go to question three. Okay. Um, so yoga, so I, I'm part of the Yoga Alliance. Um, I won't go down to the reason why I'm aligned with it. There's so many, there's controversy in the yoga world. Do you to join Yoga Alliance, you're not. I have because I have a yoga school. Um, so we have yoga teacher trainings. And I felt that the people that are coming through, because I work a lot with the military, um, and that that means that accreditation means a lot to them. So I'm still aligned with the Yoga Alliance. So the 500 ERYT is just that I have been trained at least 500 hours, mm. and I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher. So yeah. I'm, I'm at a place, it's like getting your letters right in yoga. So I've gone through all of the training that you can to be able to train other people to um, to do the thing. So that is that. And what was the other? Oh, the TEDx. Um, Wait, before you get to that, yeah. I just want to recognize. Oh, yeah. So that, that's really cool that you. So I didn't hear that before. So you work with mm -hmm. people in the military. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was invited to. I was invited to work at West Point. Um, I think it was like six or seven years now. Uh, to teach the cadets there at their yoga club and to start training them. So now I teach the cadets, but we also have started a nonprofit called Tribe where we bring the tools of yoga to the military. So we not only teach the cadets who are future officers how to implement yoga into their PT programs, but also active duty officers as well and veterans. Um, okay. 
because we really want to get, and this comes back to the story that I started with, with my dad was, you know, I saw on the other side of him being a veteran and the damage that had been done after he'd done his two tours. Um, and then also how he found not necessarily yoga, but meditation, like not yoga practice, physical practice, but the meditation and, and other mindful tool, mindfulness tools really helped him in his rehabilitation. And I said, what if we got these on the front end oh so that God. they feel empowered um, before they're in that sort of damage control situation? Like, let's actually implement these tools of mindfulness and yoga and breathing and empathy <laughs> uh, on the front end. So that's been a really powerful experience to share. The what duality it's like yoga and meditation and military it's like mm -hmm. so interesting and yes yes well, again and, yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean i don't want to go down a rabbit hole but i just will touch on to kind of bring the thread back is what we're realizing as i'm teaching them and they're you know i'm learning a lot from them too is they already have the tools. They have visualizations of a mission. They have target practice where they're like, you know, have a one pointed focus on a target. Like, and what I'm just doing for them is turning the eye on that they have these, these resources. They're just using it in a different way. And if mm -hmm. they could just use this in a way to not just, you know, execute externally their mission and what their purpose is in life, but also yeah. to take care of themselves. And that's what happened is I think in a lot of different communities is it's become a disembodiment that they have these practices like visualization of a mission, like target practice. They originally probably started at this good place of treating the whole body. And then what shifted over the years and yeah, there's a, we have a great guest speaker that comes in and talks about this disembodiment. Um, but it sort of got, they got further away from their why. And it was just the thing that they did is the what. And now that yeah. we're reconnecting them back to the why and the how, it feels more holistic. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, I didn't mean to, to go on that tangent, but I felt it no, was, that was Yes, that was beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, yeah, and the dance, the TEDx talk. Yeah. So actually around the same time that I was invited to work with the military, I got invited to do the TED, TEDx in my community in Newburgh, New York. And it was funny because I had been always teaching. I was speaking in front of big groups of people. But for some reason, with it being a TEDx, I thought, oh, this is a big deal. And I'm really scared. But I know how to be on the stage and dance. So that was actually my comfort zone. So I said, okay, if I'm going to tell, tell this very vulnerable story of myself, you know, a lot of what I share here today, yeah. uh, I kind of want to hide behind it with movement. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's what I did is I choreographed a dance with my story and that felt really good. And I think it's funny because people think it's, it's um, I'm not going to discredit, I will receive it, but I do feel like I actually took the easy way out in my eyes. <laughs> but a lot of people think, oh my gosh, that was so challenging. But because dance was my first language in so many ways, I was able to do it with ease as opposed to just standing up there and talking. Which is the beauty of it. And it's understanding, it's understanding that people learn and express in different ways. So mm -hmm. 
I think, and it's wonderful that you could express in that way because it's like you said, it's your first language and it can come through the clearest that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, you know, having a fish swims in water, but if you take the fish out of water and it's like, okay, we'll swim. And they're like, what the hell? Like, there's no water. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> um, so yeah. here you were able to express and share your story in your first language. And it's really powerful. Yeah. And, and just to remind us all that movement is our first, our first language, whether you consider yourself a dancer or a mover, movement was our first language. We moved our body before we learned to say mama and dada. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as we are getting to the top of the hour, um, the third and final question kind of wraps it all up. And uh, so why do you think creativity is important? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I mean, didn't we already say it? Because it's life. I mean, it's life. It is why we're here. It's, It's why we're here. We are creative beings. We are meant to come here and create. Everything that we see in this world started with a thought, an idea everything even the clothes that we're wearing was an idea at some point and that was a creative experience for somebody to design it to somebody to create it and even how it was sold to us and now how we're choosing to wear it and use it as an expression of ourselves so it's everything (laughs) this is why i love asking this question at the end because it seems repetitive but yes. I love hearing how people are like, how they build on it or they tweak what they said before, or it just gets, it's like scaffolding. It just gets um, a little bit altered. And even mm-hmm. it's just, I always love hearing it. And you just made me think, which I'll say real quickly is one time when I was in the classroom teaching. So everybody who doesn't know me, I was an art teacher for 30 years, teaching in many spaces and places. And in one high school situation, you know, they didn't want to be there. And um one of the kids was just like, Miss Citron, like, I, I, I don't want to do this. And when I put it in terms of, I said, look, I totally get it. It's like nine o'clock in the morning and <laughs> this is blah, blah, blah. I said, but I just want you to understand that art is not just about drawing or painting. I've been saying mm-hmm. this for many, many years. Um, the clothes that you're wearing, somebody created. It was somebody's idea mm-hmm. to design them. And then somebody um, made them. The shoes that you're wearing, someone designed them. Then they were made. The music that you listen to, somebody thought of the words. Then they were sung. Then they were mixed and put together and put into an album. The building that we're in, somebody had the idea for it. Like, like it is all around you in every moment and everything. So it's not something that could just be like, oh, it's this little thing. It's everything. And then they were quiet. Um, and then, you know, but then we, you know, then we go from there. But it, but it is that deeper understanding. Then it's still like, well, I still don't want to do it. It's like, okay, I get it. Um, but it's that deeper understanding, everybody, which is why we're here to have these conversations. Yeah. So oh. that being said, so Miss Phoebe, how can people connect with you? Because so much more to be said and so much more to be connected yeah. with. This is yeah. such an amazing conversation. I really love spending time with you again, Hollis. Thank you. Um, you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm on social media, Instagram, Facebook. 
you can just find my name, Phoebe Leona. On Instagram, it's phoebeleona.love. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm trying to hang out there a little bit more for my more professional people. Mm -hmm. uh, and then my website, I have my website, which is also my name, phoebeleona.com. And I have so many facets of what I do through my company, Nomad, which is the Nomad Collective, where we organize retreats and various trainings, and we have a community there, and my movement modality, Movement 109, um, which we sort of touched on today. And so you can find all of those through the rabbit hole of my <laughs> of my mm -hmm. website, but they have their own individual websites, but they're all they're all there at phoebeleona.com. So I'm going to ask you in a minute to put it in the message box. Oh, so sure. I can see that um, sooner than later. But before that, is there anything before we say our goodbyes? Is there anything top of mind you were like, oh, I wanted to add that or forgot or do you feel like you're good? Um, well, also just say that if they're interested in experiencing the movement modality, there is a freebie at my website too, um, a, a movement video series. But thoughts, oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like there are so many threads that yeah. we started with. And if I just tug on one, we, mm -hmm. might, we might be here for another three hours. So <laughs> I'm going to land here and just step back and observe this beautiful tapestry that we wove together in this hour. So thank you for that space and these beautiful questions I, and conversation. Oh, thank you, Phoebe. Yeah. I, it was a wonderful conversation and I so look forward to getting to know you more and collaborating and uh, creating more. So I really, really appreciate you. And those joining us here live, thank you so much. And those catching the replay, we know you could be doing anything with your hour and we so appreciate you spending it with us. This space is all about inspiring each other, sharing stories and connecting. So please like, follow, share all that good stuff. And I'm about to cough. So excuse me. <laughs> oh my God. My throat chakra was just like, whoa. Yes. All of a sudden. So okay. Yes. Excuse me. So yes, please like, follow, share all that good stuff because we need to get this out into the world. This needs to be, um, I feel this is a necessity to be shared with people, to empower them, to lift them up. So mm. all that being said, wherever you are listening, I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, and look forward to talking again soon. So bye, everybody. Thank you.